Welcome to the Lionheart Podcast, where we explore the dynamics between health, spirituality, and the natural world. I'm Jenny Madison. Today, I'm speaking with Kath Manuel. Kath is a trained horticulturist, therapeutic gardener, and she also has completed her permaculture design course. Kath has been working in this field for more than 20 years and is very passionate about helping people to grow their own organic, nutritious, and healthy food successfully as well as to obtain and retain the therapeutic benefits of gardening and getting our hands into that beautiful soil. Kath is also host to her own podcast called The Wellbeing Garden and has her own company, Soil to Supper, where she hosts a thriving online membership community. This is a really important topic as we are learning and relearning not only the health benefits of growing our own food, but also the benefits with regards to sustainability and self-sufficiency. Kath, it's so good to have you here today. And the topic that we're covering is just so important. I want to start with this question. I often post images of the things that I grow in my garden. And almost every time I have people ask me about the bugs. How come the bugs aren't eating your food? And how do you keep the bugs off your food and those sort of things? And honestly, I actually don't know (laughs) what to say. So I thought that could be a good place to start. It's a good place to start. Great question. I actually get asked that a lot by people who have bugs and pests and things in their gardens. And there's a few different reasons why bugs aren't attacking your plants and from having a look in your garden, probably because you're mixing up the plants, which is a great thing to do. So we call that intercropping. It's where it's mixing different plants together. So if you have one crop, the bugs will come in and attack that crop and take everything out or there'll be a disease or something. But when you mix it together, it kind of confuses things and means you won't get the same pests or diseases coming in. There's different smells, there's different texture in the foliage, all those sorts of things. It also helps to keep the soil really well balanced if you've got a mix of crops because the the one nutrients aren't being taken out by one crop. They're sort of taking out the minerals and nutrients that each plant needs. And the other thing is by having an organic garden, you're allowing the good pests and the good bacteria and the whole ecosystem to work as it normally should without interfering. So when people use pesticides and other chemicals they kill off all the good bacteria, and they also kill off all the good bugs so you don't have the good bugs coming in and doing the work that they should so that's where having an organic garden no sprays no chemicals used is much better for that whole ecosystem gosh you actually covered a few things there <laughs> i might just try to break it down into points you called mm. it intercropping intercropping the variety yes. so it's a mixture of crops I mean, all grown together And just exactly what do you mean by that? So in traditional farming, let's say, we're used to seeing like these rows of the same thing. So you're saying... That's called monocropping, one crop. Yeah, so you're saying don't do that. No. And that's... I know, I did it. I do. I plant everything everywhere. To be honest, I use a little intuition here. I go, put that there, put that there. So there's intercropping, which is plant a variety Yes. crops together yeah and also we call that companion planting so we're planting crops together that grow very well together so it is very similar Ah. yeah and then you said the importance of organic yes totally and you know i actually read somewhere recently that 
When we put chemicals in the soil, they stay there for thousands of years. Yeah, a long Is that time. Right? Well, I personally don't know how long the chemicals stay in because it would be the type of chemical, the constituents of the chemical, you know, what it's made up of. Some of them are less harmful to the earth than others. But I do know that once chemicals or synthetic because chemicals are actually synthetics they're not not man-made i mean they're man-made sorry they're not natural once the synthetics go into the soil over time the microorganisms in the soil actually process it and they digest it and what they excrete out is what feeds the plants so over time you can actually turn soil back to being organic and healthy even if it has had chemicals applied mm-hmm. it's just a few things you need to do so it's best not to apply any chemicals because you will kill off the healthy organisms in the soil which are feeding the plants so then you've got healthy plants and that's a whole another subject and topic to go into so into like variety intercropping intercropping, organic soil and what was the other one just creating that ecosystem allowing the good bugs to come in and so that's where not using any chemicals chemicals companion plants flowers so plants like you've got nasturtiums and sages and other flowers they will attract the good bugs and there's other plants you can use like marigolds which repel some of the bad bugs Yes. So by adding those in, you're helping to create everything nicely balanced. So let's, okay, so <laughs> really when people are having a problem with bugs, they're actually having a problem with the balance of bugs because we need mm-hmm. everything. It's like even our health, isn't yeah. it? it all comes back to balance the good and the bad yeah. co coming together. Yes. And what you're saying is it's important to have more of the good bugs yeah. and a good... Yeah, some sort of healthy balance, I guess. Well, it actually comes back to the soil. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, you know, one of the reasons why I named my business Soil to Supper is because you really have to start in the earth. Yeah, you've got to start in the soil. So if you have healthy soil packed with life and the plants are growing healthy, then they're more resistant to pest or disease problems. It's like us. So if our bodies are run down and our immune system's low, then we're going to get all the bugs and we'll get sick. So plants are the same. If they're grown in healthy soil with all the nutrients and the the great water and everything else that they need, they'll be healthy and they won't get any pests. They have minimal problems. Soil is key, huh? It's it's it. It all begins with the soil. It all begins in the dirt. (laughs) Wow. So important to get your soil right. All right. So Mm. let's touch on that one then. Let's talk about getting the soil right because... I guess that's where we start, although I did download your 25-point checklist, Mm -hmm. and it starts with a plan. Mm -hmm. Surely the soil comes into the planning. Yes, it does, but the planning also is looking at where you're going to locate your garden because you have to have the sun, what you're going to grow, so you have to know what grows in your season. You also need to know your climate. So say for us here, we're subtropical, so there's no point us growing arid or cool or temperate crops i mean we can but mainly we need to grow the subtropical plants so they grow in our climate yeah so there's other things to consider in the planning before you actually get started on the the soil side of things okay so let's say now i know a lot of people are doing this now Mm -hmm. which is very exciting apparently how do i grow my own food is one of the highest search Mm -hmm. engines in google at the moment which is fabulous i guess perhaps there are some good things that have come out of these crazy days of covid yeah i actually even heard someone refer to their garden as a covid garden (laughs) i 
said, to, I said, do you grow your own food? And she said to me, I have a COVID garden. COVID garden. And, as in, I've started to. Yeah. Well, hopefully they will continue that after COVID yes. things settle. I'm sure they will because I know that for me, I started my own gardens two years ago. I couldn't look back. Yeah. It is by far the most delicious mm. and, of course, nutritious mm-hmm. and health-promoting food, mm. as you know. We're mm. going to get into the health side too. Mm. But I haven't forgotten, we've got to start with the soil. Yeah. And what I was going to say, so what many people are doing now is building like the uh, bed, garden beds. Raised garden beds. Raised yep. garden beds. That's a great way to sort of nurture yeah. your soil, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. And then it's about creating healthy soil in that garden bed. How do we do that? How do we create healthy well, soil? Well, there's a couple of ways. The one way I use is the no-dig method, which I've also got an article on that on the website. So okay. people can get like the steps to build a no-dig garden. So that's bringing in natural ingredients and layering them it's almost like a lasagna method people call it the layering method and you're bringing in natural ingredients and layering them and then over a couple of months everything decomposes and creates soil so it's almost like a composting system in a garden bed but you're making dirt and you're making really healthy dirt now that's not useful for everyone to do and some people want to get started really quick yeah. like at times I get really impatient okay. and want to get going so and I don't want take, to wait how long would it take to do the way you just described that well you can get that done you know an hour or two it doesn't take long to actually okay. build it but but it needs about probably about four to six weeks to sort of break down before plants go in there's a few little things okay. you can do which I've kind of added extra tips in the article okay. If you're like you and me, you get really impatient, you okay. can put a layer of compost on top and put some little herbs or leafy okay. greens or like a quick crop okay. in but there. Okay, four to six weeks is Yeah, the... because the ingredients that are in there heat up like in compost, so it gets very hot. So if you're going to grow plants in there, the plants can die because of the heat and the, oh. you know, the temperature underneath and the microorganisms and things that are getting in and helping it break down. So okay. it's best just to let it sit let it rest and then come back when it's broken down and then plant your garden. But the other way you can do it is purchasing soil, which a lot of people do and I get that's a great way of getting the soil in and and getting started. But a lot of the time that soil is not high quality and it's lacking. It's because when soil is made, and it depends the process it's made, like you can purchase some soil that's very high in compost and manures, so it's high in organisms and it's quite healthy but then through other suppliers they don't put that time and effort into getting quality soil so it's sort of other ingredients are thrown in and it's lifeless so plants won't grow in lifeless soil so if you are purchasing soil bring it in but add some extra compost to it add some rotted manure or something that's going to like beef it up a little in the soil and get the organisms in maybe add some worm castings or, you know, things that blood and bone in it and maybe wait a week and then you can start growing in that because it doesn't need to decompose like the no-dig garden. Yeah, just on that though, I I have bought soil before for my pots and things and um, I can buy it organic. Yeah. That's got to be helpful. Yeah, Yeah. you can. Yep, you can get organic potting mix, which is great. Yep, so I use that and it means it's got all natural ingredients and it doesn't have synthetic fertiliser. It has natural fertilizer. Yes. Yeah. But it's not as alive 
as the method you described before, but the ways around that is to add some of that life Adding, yeah, into yeah. it. So a lot of people have so, worm farms, you know, the yes. liquid that comes out. That's amazing. A worm yes. farm's really quick to get rid of your food scraps. And then yes. the liquid that comes out has high what we call microbial activity. Yes. It's got high microbes in it. Yes. It's, it's alive. Like if you looked at it under a microscope, you would see that then to soil adds life. Oh, wow. Helps add life over time. And I actually have a worm farm. Excellent. I have one and I do use it. So, it yeah. But of course, as you're saying, that's adding a lot of life to yeah. the soil. And yeah. you use the expression beef it up. Yeah, beef it <laughs> up. Beef it up the soil. <laughs> yeah. So there's ways to do that by adding manure, mm. yep. compost, yep. and the worm juice from the worm farm. Yep. And I will say... It actually isn't that hard to set up a worm farm. Very easy. It's little. very easy, and mine's been going for almost two years now, yeah. and it just keeps. Really yeah, they look going after themselves. Looks after itself. Yeah. I pour some water in it, empty yeah. it out, use it, put it on the. Mm. I actually wondered sometimes. That's a bit of a personal question, <laughs> uh, not personal to me, but in my garden is, I know that that worm juice can be quite concentrated, yeah. and I do filter it down with water. Yeah. But even, even having done that, I actually sometimes wonder whether when I plant little baby, mm-hmm. sort of, if Seedlings, still yeah. might be too strong, should it, we wait? No, no it, it's, okay. it's okay. Yeah. What you can do to make the liquid stronger is put it back through the worm farm a couple of times oh. and you'll increase the organisms in it and mm. then dilute it like one part to ten or something with your water. Dilute it down. Yeah. But it means that yeah. it has more life in it if it's been back through the wow. worm farm a couple of times. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. I'll try. I'll do yeah. that. That sounds good. Yeah, water it down. No, perfect for seedlings. Oh, Very okay. good for seedlings. Okay. So as long as it's diluted. Because seedlings definitely need that's been my biggest challenge mm. in gardening mm-hmm. is starting from seed yeah it's definitely been my biggest challenge okay. and it doesn't always work it does sometimes yeah so okay now we've have we covered everything on the soil that sounded really I think, good i think we have but there's loads on my website yeah. on soil i've got a podcast episode on that through my podcast so okay. yeah just just on soil alone yep okay I think it's called Let's Talk Dirt. Let's Talk (laughs) Dirt. It's just all about dirt. And then on the website, there's extra links to other articles that, you know, sort of follow up from things I've mentioned. Just on dirt for a moment. (laughs) I could talk about dirt for hours. There is something for me. I know there's always these gardening gloves and what have you, but for me, there's something about actually getting my hands in dirt. Nourishing. It it makes me not want to wear gloves. It's therapeutic. Therapeutic. Yeah. And that's what I I was going to get to that. We we could talk (laughs) about how healthy actual food is Mm. that we grow. Mm. We both know it's by far the healthiest possible food we can eat. It is. Yeah, it's the, it's the best food. It's got the highest nutrition. It's straight from the dirt to the yeah. soil to supper. Well, in, within the first hour of being picked, most foods, herbs, leafy greens, they have their highest nutritional value in that first hour. Wow. So if you can go. pick some parsley, chives, lettuce, something oh. and eat it, you're getting everything in. After That's that, nice. it's depletes. So even like kale... You know, everyone's yep. kale mad and people buy it from the supermarket. But if it's bought and transported and you're eating it a week later, the nutritional value is actually dropped considerably since it's yep. been harvested. Yep. So if you can grow your own, yep. you're maximizing the nutrients the in nutrients, it. Yeah, wow. And mm. the freshness and yep. the taste. Yep. It's just full of vitality. The vitality and the life. Mm. So there's all of those health benefits. But for me, there's so much more to just growing your own food that's mm-hmm. healthy. And that mm-hmm. is that part I mentioned about getting my hands in the mm. soil, mm. spending time with nature, connecting, getting yeah. into the garden. Tell me a bit about that. 
Well, okay, so that feeling you have is there's a term for that called biophilia. Yeah, and it means that we all have an innate connection to nature and living things. So animals are the same. So that's why we connect with animals. We connect with other human beings. We connect with plants, rain, everything that is actually natural and living, Mm -hmm. we have a deep connection with. So we feel that it's almost like a yearning to have that time in nature to keep us balanced. Mm. So if that time with other living things or in nature is lacking, we can then get deficient in that and it affects our emotional well-being. So there is a term um, now for children that spend too much time indoors and don't get outside. It's called nature deficit disorder. So they're not spending enough time in nature and it puts their body out of balance. There's emotional issues. There's mental health problems. There's behavior problems. There's all sorts of things. So, yeah, you do – I've read a lot about schools and other places, hospitals taking people outside. So there's a lot of research on biophilia, which is a really cool word to Google. It is cool. (laughs) I I, I jotted that one down because I just haven't heard of it. Biophilia. I'm actually truly, truly experiencing Mm. it. Yeah, that's what it is. That's that feeling you get when you're connecting with nature and it's like it affects all the hormones and the endorphins and everything that's good in our body raises so it's like we want more yes yeah and that's why when I'm out in my garden I don't see it as work no it's like I look forward to my weekend when I've planned or set a day aside to hang out in my garden And that's why people go out there, and I always say to people, start gardening, go outside 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Usually that extends. And a couple of hours later you think, where's that time gone? What have I done? I forgot to, you know, go and do something else. You just lose track of time. It's mindfulness, it's nature, it's absorbing yourself. And that's, for me, the work that I do in therapeutic gardening now. That's where it kind of leads into that. And it's connection. Yeah, connection with nature, earth, grounding. Yeah, Mm. and our interconnectedness Mm. with all life. That that, that is absolutely beautiful, biophilia. (laughs) Biophilia. And parents out there watching this, get your kids out in the land. Send them outside. No shoes, hands in the dirt. Hands in the dirt. Mm. Picking things. And then things will settle in their own system. They'll calm down, yeah. Another thing that actually came to mind, so when I plan a weekend out mm-hmm. in the garden, there's a couple of things I do. So I'm often either planting mm-hmm. or what I call cleaning because I don't necessarily weed, so to speak. It's, yeah. it's something I kind of don't get too stressed about weeds. Mm-hmm. So I don't use, obviously, I don't use any chemicals, of mm-hmm. course. There are times, though, that there's a few things I do need to, mm-hmm. to take out. So how do you help people to deal with that as a problem, the weeding or the weeds? Because I know I hear a bit about that too. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's often where people may even fall back on chemicals because yeah. there's they no think, natural solutions. They think there's either no natural solutions mm. or they think they have to get rid of these weeds. But I have also come to find that a lot of those weeds are actually highly nutritional, yeah. medicinal herbs. Yeah. So there's a learning. Weeds there. are plants. The definition is a weed is a plant that's growing where it's not wanted. Okay. So if you've got some parsley growing somewhere you don't want it to, that is kind of classed as a weed because you don't want it there. Although it's not a declared weed, we've got plants that are declared that we should be removing because they're harmful okay. for the environment, for the you know animals, things like that. But as far as weeding goes, it can be a very therapeutic activity mm-hmm. if people learn just to be in the moment, not set 
you know, too many goals or they, you know, have limits on how much time you spend doing that because when you're crouching down, it can affect your back and your knees and you've also got to take your body into consideration. But 20 minutes, half an hour of waiting and then say, I'll just, you know, set a timer or give myself some time. I'll be right in the moment, not sort of thinking of how bad this is. I really hate weeding as I'm pulling out the weeds because that's not good for your mind or thinking about what I should be doing or worrying about past things or future things. Just be in the moment, pull out the weeds, finish that task, be happy with yourself that you've actually completed it, take a walk around, go and do something else and come back to some more of that later. Because I think if people set themselves up for weeding too much of an area and they don't get it done, they're setting themselves up for failure. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that from a therapeutic side, that's not good. It's not giving us a positive outcome. Mm. So setting big challenges, breaking them down into sort of bite-sized pieces, enjoy the moment, even if it means putting in some headphones and listening to some music as you go, which I do occasionally. Listen to music, I listen to podcasts as well while I'm doing chores. Yeah, just take in the time. I mean, even if you've got some food around, pick some things to eat as you go and just mm. just make it an enjoyable experience. But as far as tackling weeds naturally, again, I have a podcast episode okay. on that yeah. because I do get asked a lot that yeah. question. So I have a whole range of simple solutions okay. for dealing with weeds. So is one of those simple solutions, this is what I do, is just use my hands yeah That's hand weeding is the best thing especially weeding. if it's gone to seed you've got to get the seeds right. out with the plant because yeah. as seeds disperse they come they yeah. become a problem i'm totally with you on that just be in the moment yeah and you, you mentioned there about how if you are weeding and thinking about how awful this is or something mm. like that that it's not good for you mm. but i want to touch on there too the sensitivity of the plants mm. and the energy and the thoughts that we bring yeah to the gardens and yeah. this is i guess moving a little bit into the invisible realms mm. but I mean, it, it's been proven. I mean, there was all that, that study on the water and mm. there's books on plants and their sentience. Mm-hmm. So imagine, I'm always really aware and mindful of where my energy is at when I go out into the yeah. garden. Yeah. And that if I'm out there going, I don't, having negative thoughts or something mm. like that, I'm not feeling well, not only is it going to affect me, but it's also going to affect the plants yeah. and the trees around me. And even my house plants are so much happier when I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. You have to give them good energy, but also if you are going into the garden and you are in a great place, it can help to lift your yes, mood. They That's give, what it does. They yeah. give us the good energy. Yeah. And I guess on that respect, we'd be open to receiving yeah. as well mm. and just being aware that that is happening. Mm. Yeah. Yep, the energy comes yeah from nature to us. So we've covered the bugs. Okay. Covered the weeds. Yep. We've talked about how to make the soil amazing, <laughs> amazingly nutritious and fertile. Yeah. yeah. Then what about seeds? How about I, as I said, I, mm. I find it challenging. <laughs> often myself, I do. It's just yeah. What what goes on there? Obviously, there's a quality to the seed. Yep. Of course. That's yep. Make sure the seed's start. viable. So if you're purchasing seeds, have a look on the packet. Make sure that you they're in within the expiry date because seeds do go off. Or if they're being stored, keep them in a container in a cool space in a cupboard or something. Some people keep them in the fridge, um, over especially in the the warm climate over summer. 
purchase organic seeds if possible mm. so they don't have all the chemicals on them use a really good seed raising mix okay. so you have to buy a quality seed raising mix or you can make your own there's a little recipe i think i've got it on my website somewhere i could find it about making your own seed raising mix don't use potting mix or no. you can sow seeds directly into the garden bed yeah don't mulch over them though a lot of people put their mulch okay. over the top of seeds that stops them from germinating yeah But one thing I notice a lot of people seem to realize when I show them the steps, you know, through my workshops or something, you have to have the seed at the correct depth. So a lot of people bury their seeds too deep and especially those little tiny seeds like lettuce, a lot of your herbs, Mm. basil, tomato seeds, Mm. chilies, I could keep going, capsicum, eggplant, they're all quite small seeds. So they only need a thin layer of soil over the top. So the the rule is sow the seeds to the same depth as the size of the seed. So if the seed is one millimetre, it only needs one millimetre of soil over the top. Okay. If it's a bigger seed like a pumpkin seed, it can go a little deeper. Okay. I think that's going to help me a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And then don't overwater because then they will rot. Of course. Yeah. So I use a sprayer. You know those plastic hand sprayers? I use one of those. How often would you water? Twice a day, but just to keep them damp. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. They're actually two really good. It does also help to dampen off the seed raising mix and then put the seed into it so it's already nice and moist for the seed. Then you don't have to worry about kind of wetting it all when it starts. So they're kind of a few little steps. Yeah, they're they're actually marvellous tips Mm. because I have a feeling I might have done the whole measurement Mm -hmm. thing a bit wrong. (laughs) And especially that's why now I know why the lettuce because it is such a fragile, tiny Mm. sort of thing. They just need like a little Mm. sprinkle of dirt. And I say, especially in my therapeutic gardening Mm. sessions, Mm. I explain to people just a pinch of salt. So get some seed raising mix. Yeah, just like, no, no, not actual salt, but it's like your... The, the steps is like you've got some seed raising mix in your hand or in a in a little container and just to cover the lettuce seeds it's like you're just putting that kind so if you're imagining like you're putting a sprinkle of salt on something it's that same okay. action of sprinkling the seed raising mix <laughs> over the seed, the seed it's just mix. a little bit it's not much right yeah just a little light sprinkle and like we really these are really really little babies they're tiny, tiny little babies so we need to be really yeah like, sort of particular you do. there was another question is sometimes because mm-hmm. they were so small mm-hmm. i think something i also did wrong was are we meant to put just the one seed depends what it is so right. if it's like um lettuce or rocket yeah. or chives you can sprinkle a few yeah. in the punnet and then as they grow, you can gently separate them or plant them together. Okay. If it's like a nasturtium, you just put one in or a pumpkin, one in each of the little cell or little pots. So does it kind of go by size? So for the smaller seeds, you can use more? You can use a few, yeah. A few. And it and it depends on the plant. Okay. Yeah. So it is quite specific. There's yeah, quite a bit sort of detail of, in yeah. I don't think it'll be too hard to learn. And I have a video on my website if you get (laughs) me doing all those steps. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. wow. Yeah, okay. Now the watering. You talked about watering. and The seeds? Watering. Well, we'll start from seeds. Yeah. Because I think you made an important point there is not to overwater them. That Mm. could be another cause of... Mm -hmm. Because they will uh, rot. They can get fungal diseases and rot. Not having successful mm-hmm. seed and morning sun, and uh, light light sun. Okay, great. You got it. I'm <laughs> go there too. Not full sun. They need water and sun, yeah. but in the right amounts. Yes. 
a so little bit of both. Yes. Don't overdo it on the water and don't overdo it on the sun. So take them out for a few hours in the morning. In the morning, morning sun, sun's then, beautiful. Leave yeah. them out in it and then they won't get the hot yeah. afternoon or daytime yeah. sun. You can get little covers that go over seeds, yeah. but I always sit them somewhere, even under a tree where they're getting that dappled sun coming through yes. for the day. Yes. Just gentle sun. Even through a window sometimes? That, yeah, because yep. I've Windows work. With, on my kitchen bench where yeah. I know there's some sun coming yeah. and I kind of felt that should so be As long as they stay damp. You don't want them drying right. out. Because mm. yeah, that could be an instant killer, huh? Well, they just won't germinate. Germinate, yeah. yeah. Instant. <laughs> Nothing will happen. Yeah. And then from there, yeah. we transport them into the ground or yeah. into the garden beds. Yeah. Now, what do you think about those biodegradable little cups? I like them. Yeah. Yeah. I use the little ones that come out and they look kind of like a little chocolate biscuit and you soak them in water and they puff up. Yes. yes. <laughs> they're you a lot of fun. Yeah. Before. Yep, yeah. they're great. You put one seed in, in yeah. them and then when the seed germinates, the whole um, little pot is then transplanted into, into the ground. The ground. Yeah. Or into another pot. And it, and it's biodegradable so they yeah. break down. Yeah. No yeah. plastic. No plastic. No plastic, which is wonderful. Plastic pots are okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I purchase, that's usually how they come. Yes. Mm. Okay, so we've either purchased and popped them into the ground or used our own biodegradable mm. germinators, yep. is that what we call them. Yeah. So once they're in the ground, really, it's just about maintenance. Like, mm-hmm. It's really the same, isn't it? Obviously, they can, they're a bit stronger, so they can take more water and more yep. sun, yep. but still not too much. Well, if they're going into full sun, they need to get there gradually. So we call that climatizing. Yeah. So if they're, they're growing in a punnet and they're getting a little bit of sun to germinate, give them a little bit more sun each day, maybe over a few days, yeah. and then plant them out in the garden bed or wherever they're going to get the full sun. It depends if they're a plant that likes the shade, okay. then you give them a bit of shade, but into their final location. Yeah. Um, liquid fertilizer, as we've mentioned, is great. The worm juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, other natural liquid fertilizer. Make sure that the soil is ready to go beforehand. So yes. if you're doing the no dig or the other method, okay. make sure the soil's enriched and healthy, full of earthworms. That's a great indication that you've got good yeah. soil. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I get very happy when I see worms. Yeah, it's a good sign. It is. Hmm. Just on the fertilizer seaweed, uh, just so people can know if they don't have a worm yeah. farm, what yeah. would you purchase? There's some really good organic liquid fertilizers that are on the market available at, at the hardware stores or garden centers. I um, use a couple of different seaweed products, but there's a whole range of them that you can actually buy. Just look for the organic certification. That's a really good indication yeah. that a product is organic if it's got the certification and follow the application rates. Just have a read of how much to mix and how much to apply and how often. Don't overdo fertilizers. Yeah. Because then you can have toxicity, right. just too much. And so there's deficiency in toxicity. Yeah. So you kind of got to get in the middle. What's normally in a fitter? Like nitrogen, that can you can have too much of what sort of compounds? Well, when you buy them, they're nicely balanced. Yeah. So yeah. you know that you can you know have a read and trust what's on the packaging and just follow what they suggest and it will all be okay. Yeah. But some people think, oh, I'll add a little bit yeah. more and it's going to be better. Yeah. But it's actually not. Yeah. That's where you can it can be quite harmful for the plant and for the soil. Wow. Yeah. So wow. just apply whatever the packaging says and yeah. you should be right. <laughs> <laughs> follow the rules. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I don't cook like that. I when I cook, I have a recipe and I'm like. Mm, I'll just add a bit more of this and this and this. 
Follow the guidelines, I yeah. should say. Guys. In gardening, you can do that. But if you're using a packaged yes. product, yes. use what they say. Okay. Mm. That's a really good point as mm. well. Because yeah. obviously they've researched it and designed it. They know what it they're doing. And done it a certain way for yeah. a certain reason. So yeah. we're all about gardening success here. Yes, so total, totally for success. We're really aiming to cover all the points that will help, <laughs> help us yes. and help everyone listening to this to grow food with great mm. success. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my goal to help people to be successful and have the confidence to go out there and do things like you do. You know, you have the confidence to go and try things. We all make mistakes. (laughs) I make gardening mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I made mistakes. You know what? I I went in with the approach. The learning experiences. The learning experience. But also I went in with the approach that the more I do, the more chance I've got of of succeeding. Absolutely. And trying things. And I just... So when I we came out to live on this land, I just went a little bit crazy planting. <laughs> and to be honest, I still am. It's like mm. as soon as I saw there's space, plant. There's yeah. space, plant, and and uh, yes, a lot of learning mm. and a little bit of a bit of research, of course, yeah. as well. And even what you've offered to me so far today, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I've got this confidence now. I'm going to get my seedlings happening. Yes, seeds that will be the, the thing. Seeds. Yeah, because I think I must have had about thirty. Yeah, could have yeah about thirty and. Four okay. worked out. Mm-hmm. So that was my, oh. <laughs> That's your starter point now. But when I buy them already germinated, yeah. I have a lot more success yeah. in that sense, but from seed. To, mm. And then I, I'm thinking to myself, imagine living. That's really sustainable. Yeah. And actually, maybe we can talk about this too. So although I don't want to jump too far ahead, so now we've covered the soil and the mm-hmm. seeds and then taking care of both of those to mm-hmm. get them to a point where they're pretty much vibrant yep. and growing and then there comes the time to harvest mm-hmm. and the one thing I don't want to forget which I was about to say a moment ago was this self-seeding process yeah so imagine that's great yeah imagine mm. having your own gardens mm. but then actually growing from your own seeds mm-hmm. now that is 100% self-sustainable isn't it yeah well almost yeah almost yeah almost what am I missing I mean uh no that that's that is a very um self-sufficient method but you know there's some other things to to take into consideration but I always think if a plant self-seeds mm-hmm. it's it's a self-seeded plant so yeah. self-seeding means it's a seed has come off another plant and the seed has dispersed, whether it's with the wind or the rain, and it's landed somewhere and it's grown. Yeah. If it really flourishes and produces yeah. Yeah. food, you know, whatever that food might be for us, it's obviously grown in a really healthy place. Leave it there. Yeah. Because it's exactly where it wants to be to grow and thrive. Yeah. It's like us, you know, it's bloom where you're planted is the saying but these seeds have made their way there and they're obviously very happy in that environment so leave them there i've got loads of cherry tomatoes that have been going all year all through winter they're fruiting they're beautiful all self-seeded wow so i'm clearing the area around them kind of protecting them a little now but they just all came up themselves and now i've got pumpkin coming up out of the compost i'm leaving it there yeah so it is great to do that, but if you're buying plants in or you buy food in and you collect the seeds from that food or the plant, yeah. it might be genetically modified or it might be hybridized, which means it's cross-pollinated. It may not be exactly as the original parent plant it came from. Mm-hmm. It could be slightly different. 
and we see that in pumpkins and tomatoes and capsicums where people collect seeds and grow it and it's like it doesn't look like the original plant that i had so you're saying if i buy a already germinated seedling sorry like a baby you know and I plant it, yeah, and it grows, and then it yeah. has seeds, and I take those seeds. You're mm-hmm. saying they may not be ideal. It depends if it's an heirloom plant, oh. and it hasn't been crossed or modified in any way. It will be the same. When would this crossing and modification actually happen? Prior if... to that plant with the seed back there. So if Even we if I buy them organic, and if they're organic, they're generally heirloom. So you will know that you can save the seeds off them. Not all plants are hybridized or genetically modified, but this is what we're going to see with more GMO plants. Mm. We're going to see plants that won't regrow. And a lot of there's companies around that are genetically modifying it Mm. to either not produce seeds or Mm. produce seeds that won't regrow. So people have to go and buy food from them, not grow their own. Okay, yeah. But this only emphasizes... Again, the importance of organic. organic. Yeah, so get organic seeds. Organic There's some seeds, amazing absolutely. companies. We have a company yeah. here in our town. Green Harvest. Yes. And they yep. sell online and they online. are fantastic. Their seeds are amazing. Greenharvest.com.au. Yeah, I've been using their seeds and I get a lot of other products from them that I use in my gardening programs. You can get like propagating equipment yep. and all sorts of things. So, yeah, there's a lot of companies around that do that online mm-hmm. so you can choose but as long as it says heirloom okay. or organic or non-gmo okay. you know you can grow it and save the seed from it wow which is great to do yeah and mm. then we replant the seed then you re- yeah sow the seed okay <laughs> a and lot to think about cycle, cycle. <laughs> just keeps going let's just go back into get, get back to the soil because again yep. uh, that is so important and then we'll come to harvest as mm-hmm. well and then food and nourishment mm-hmm. um, but it just just had a thought that might be helpful and I know it's been helpful for me is just knowing how to create the best compost uh, at home because there are a few tricks mm, to the trade yep. even a few rules yeah I know my worms don't like citrus yeah and things like that so obviously I avoid putting anything yeah. like that is it the same we have two compost sacks so we have our worm farm mm-hmm. where I'm very particular with what yeah. goes in there but then we have a few holes in the land where we put pretty much everything yep everything so they're definitely different systems there the worm farm is uh, vermiculture so it's the culture or the production using worms mm-hmm. so worms the way they process the food I hope I explain all this right so with composting worms they don't actually eat the food they eat the bacteria off the food so when you put food scraps in your compost you need to make sure that they're small so they break down quick there's bacteria the worms feed off that and then what they excrete out we use as a liquid or as castings in our garden so it's kind of like worm manure that we use in our garden now the reason why we don't add citrus or onions is because it's very acidic and it changes the pH level of the bacteria and they won't eat that. And then if they won't eat that, they will then die. So that's why we don't put anything acidic in there. But as far as the compost, Mm. which is either in tubs or a a mound, out generally, I I always suggest it's done on the earth. I don't like those tumbling ones. I won't go into that, but it needs to be connected to the earth. It's using the microorganisms that are in the earth 
they will come up and process those ingredients. Now, because it's not just composting worms we're talking about there, we're talking about every other organism that lives in the earth, citrus and onions are all okay. Tea bags. Tea bags are fine because you're putting so many ingredients in that it's not going to affect the pH balance too much. But those organisms are okay with all that. They will process it. Whereas with your worms, you've just got those composting worms doing all the work. They won't like the the acidic foods in there. So if I am composting, say around citrus time, and I'm using a lot of lemons and oranges and, you know, it's all coming off my tree, I'll add a little bit of lime, which helps balance out the acid in the compost. So I know it's okay. That's just one little thing that I do around citrus time. But... Onions, citrus, there's a lot of ingredients you can actually put in your compost bin. I use in-garden systems, so they're bins placed in the garden. Okay. So as all the ingredients are breaking down, it's continuously feeding the soil. And then your plants around will just thrive because they've got all that life there. And it's easy to do, just a little small bin. So yeah, they're the kind of two different systems that work. We do the direct to earth, a hole in yeah. the ground, and yeah. cover it up. And it's true, I've noticed all these plants and yeah. all sorts of things out. sprouting out <laughs> over in the composting yeah. area. It's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. So that works as well. If anyone's in a small home garden, they probably don't have the space for that. That's where the yeah. little bins work well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a few there's a few little tricks and again, listeners can go to my website yeah. and type in composting. I've got okay. a lot of information on there because yeah. I love composting. Yeah. Because I love the dirt. I'm just yeah. a fan of composting everything. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's like tissues, the toilet roll, cardboard. So even if it's not organic, that's not a concern. That's, well, that is it organic. Gets, it all gets broken down anyway. They 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 are organic items. Paper comes from a tree, so it's classed as an organic item. But I I'm thinking they put chemicals on the papers, don't they? They treat it or anything like that that gets not, treated, but not no. overly that's going to hurt it, but that's the organisms it. that treat all these ingredients will break it down. So by them eating and processing that, what excretes yeah. out, yeah goes into the earth they're kind of processing it all yeah yeah gotcha yeah so just plastics aren't good no you know you put anything plastic or metal or well it's not biodegradable that's it as long as it's biodegradable yep that's just a wonderful process isn't it that's wonderful yeah and really we're talking about keeping the ph at balance yeah with the compost yeah well the organisms actually as they process it compost is close to neutral when it's finished so it's actually a really good balance anyway that's why compost is great to go straight into the garden and grow your food in it so when I do my compost bins in the garden directly I have a couple going at one time so I've got a few going at the moment and they're in the the garden I fill them with ingredients for a few weeks until they get to the top and I can't add any more sometimes I add a diluted molasses to really sweeten it up and get all the organisms going in there some liquid fertilizer sometimes I put blood and bone in I use you know ingredients that I have put the lid on and leave it for about four to six weeks usually four weeks works and then I empty the whole bin Mm. and the compost out and I can plant my seedling straight into it Uh, it's like that's it it's perfect soil yeah yeah so I do that in all of my garden beds yeah and I rotate the compost bins around, so I'm continuously composting and making soil all the time. 
You've got so much knowledge. <laughs> and it comes from experience. So much knowledge. But I don't even, A lot of time. Like, this is 20 years mm, plus, right? Plus, yeah. But I just want to ask Shows you. Shows my age then. <laughs> I just want to ask you, did you, were you like a plant girl, little girl? Was there something about gardens and dirt even when you were like mm, a little I girl? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I always had a thing with bugs and I still do. I oh, quite like bugs. Lovely. I'm fascinated by little insects. Yeah. I spent a lot of time outdoors. I grew up near the beach, so we spent a lot of time at the beach. So I liked, you know, going around finding seashells and yep. collecting things. Yeah. But as I sort of got a little bit older, a teenager, my stepdad was a is still a keen gardener at 89. He's still growing food and gardening every day. And I kind of spent time with him and really enjoyed things as I got into my teens And then for me, I found it was relaxing and it was my therapy. So that was always a way I kind of dealt with things going on in life. Yeah. You know, I just would go out to the garden. That was a way of calming, having space, being able to think, just reconnecting. And I didn't even know at that time that it was actually good for me. I just intuitively would go to the garden. I knew kind of. Intuitively. Yeah. (laughs) Subconsciously. So, yeah, I decided then when I turned 30, so yeah, 21 years ago, I was 30. Now you know my age. (laughs) I wanted to make it my profession. Wow. So, yeah. Some people do meditation, some people do yoga, Hmm. you do dirt. (laughs) I have gardens, nature. Garden and dirt, yeah. I still walk, like I like to go running. I sort of don't do so much anymore, I realise that walking is much better as I'm getting older and gardening and now I'm living on such a big property <laughs> I walk so much yeah but is my exercise yes yeah it is my meditation that's yeah. kind of my thing yeah but it, I the thing I do find difficult is probably the only one thing about having your passion as your profession is you're always in it so I have a few other little things that I like to do that are non-gardening so that's my downtime I like to crochet yeah (laughs) so um, and I do like to watch movies so I can do both of those things at once as I said I like walking but I love walking in nature I love bushwalking and just being amongst nature yeah and I like to cook but then, you know, I'm always running out to my garden to harvest things while I'm yeah. cooking. Yeah. So, right. but it's still, I think it still always underlies everything that I do, that whole yeah. nature side. But yeah. yeah, I like the beach and surfing and all those sorts yeah. of things as well. Yeah. So I grew up doing. Yeah, so, so do I. Now that we've yeah. met, we can go for bushwalks. Yeah, know. definitely. There's some amazing walks around. I know. Around Maloney. I know. And I haven't explored. Amazing many of them i've explored a few but i think i've only scratched the surface you have to come to my place and we could walk absolutely (laughs) you're on 100 acres no two it's around it's nearly 300 actual land acres because it's undulating but the property measurements is just over 200 acres it's huge huge so we could probably go out and do about six kilometer walk i'll do that yeah sure yeah rainforest creeks hills Love it. Yeah, it is beautiful. Love it. It is beautiful. Oh, that, mm, that'll, so yeah, come and visit. That'll be wonderful. Then I get to check out your gardens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some work before you come. <laughs> to check out your gardens, baby. Have a little nibble. Yeah. So we've gone through the everything. Mm. Right now, now we're, now we're watching our, this time bef- between sort of this growing time, mm-hmm. this sort of growing above the dirt time. Yeah. What are some helpful hints here? Watering, how often? 
mm. things like that. And also, I guess some of the challenges I've seen myself with fungus, I've seen it up here, yep. maybe when we have a lot of rain, yep. especially. And humidity. On, and humidity on certain yep. crops. Also, yeah, then we come back to harvesting and eating. But yeah, let's let's go through that time of growing. Nurturing, yeah, Nurturing. when things growing. Yep, so watering will depend on the soil type and what you're growing. Mm. So if you are in a heavy clay soil, it's going to hold the moisture, so you mm. won't need to water as much mm. as someone, say, in a sandy soil okay. where the water is going through the soil so quickly it dries out. So yeah. that does depend. Um, mulching is always important, which is like a nice little yeah. three-centimetre layer of hay or sugarcane yeah. mulch or something yeah. on top. Yeah. Keeps the water in and stops the weeds yep. growing. It also helps to keep the nutrients in. And organic as well, huh? Yeah. You can get, yeah. Good organic, you can get good sugar organic sugarcane mulch or other hay or straw, but yeah, yeah, if you can, that's good. I like the organic sugarcane mulch yeah. because it's fine and it breaks down quite slowly, but it helps to improve the soil as yeah. well as you go. So it is a good one. Good around seedlings especially. Mm. I would probably say a fortnightly or a monthly dose of liquid fertilizer okay. on the leaves and the roots because the plants take nutrients in through their leaves. So that just helps to keep the life and, and the nutrients in. If the soil's well prepared, you don't have to sort of feed you only really feed the soil, say, seasonally. Yeah. So um, that's sort of every three months. Get some more fertilizer in. Check for pests and diseases. Harvest. That's one thing I think <laughs> I had to explain to a few clients is you've got to keep harvesting. Because they're like, when do I harvest right. and what do I take? Yes. But you have to keep harvesting because the creatures will come and eat it. Or don't. if you don't, someone else or something else yes. will. And in a lot of plants, it encourages more flowers and food to grow, like beans and peas. You yep. really need to keep picking them right. to encourage the crops. To So, yeah, it kind of depends what it is. There are some I find I just, again, just go with what I feel is right. But there, mm. So, for example, quite often I'll pull the whole cabbage out of the ground. Okay. And then with the lettuce, I'll pick the leaves. Is there any sort of... With rocket, I find that I can just pick, keep pick picking leaves, the leaves yep. and it just keeps growing and yep. growing and growing. You can do that with lettuce, with like the really yeah. leafy lettuce. Yeah. Just take the leaves you need and let the plant keep growing. Yeah. But say with a cabbage or beetroot or carrots, they're annual. So they're so like one life cycle and yeah, they're so done. Yeah, take them out. Yeah. yeah, but the tip is when they're almost ready to harvest, get some more seedlings in near them. So they're coming through when you've got this uh-huh. one being harvested. So you have that continuous annual okay, supply yeah. of food yes yeah of course. so we call that succession planting yeah you know keep that succession going so it's like if you're harvesting all your lettuce or something else keep putting Maybe more like in mm. Maybe every month get a couple of new seedlings yeah. in so you have them all the time yeah. yeah I do that you know I like to keep my garden full yeah yeah so I keep it in there that sort of kind of like a rotation yeah natural rotation mm. method And is there any tips to harvesting at all? Mm, Depends what you're harvesting. I like to use nice little scissors, make sure they're sharp. I've actually got these great kitchen scissors so I can come out of the kitchen with like a little bowl and just cut what I need and head back inside. But using little sharp scissors always helps rather than pulling. Okay. Never pull things because you can break the yeah. plant or the vine. <laughs> with citrus or a lot of other fruits, you twist them. So if you can twist yes, them okay. and they come off, they're ready. If you twist them and they don't want to budge, then leave them there until. Yeah. So like that little twist method is good to know if the citrus is yeah. ready. 
with tomatoes, you can kind of get the little vine off and keep the leaves. I always, with tomatoes, harvest them when they're just starting to turn pink yeah. and bring them inside and let them finish in the warmth because they actually will ripen with warmth, not sunshine. Okay. So they're sweeter when it's they're harvested and ripened inside where it's a little bit warmer. And then you need to make sure you, you pick the ripe fruits regularly so you don't end up with fruit fly. Right. Which is a thing if you leave rotten fruit or vegetables that are that have sort of ripened and dying yeah. off laying around or on the plant, you okay. can get fruit fly, ah. which is a bit of a problem. So harvest regularly. Harvest regularly. Yeah. And eat it. And eat it, of course. It's the same way I wouldn't. <laughs> it's ready. I want to eat it. It's ready to eat. Enjoy it. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. So now we're bringing the food to table. Oh, aren't we? yummy. The organic homegrown food to table which is highly nutritious Mm -hmm. so do you share a bit about that as well in the work Um, yes yeah I do I don't share a lot of recipes on my website but it's something that I have on there just some things that I really like to cook with harvested food I've got some tips for harvesting Inside my membership community, I provide more information to our community members on, like we have different topics each month. So we've just had food, so there's information in there. I work with a large organisation with a very well-known chef. So I, I'm getting some chefs to do some articles and recipes and things to put in my oh, membership exactly. community. So yeah. that's good. So I share kind of what I do with that organization and um I think people would share their own favorite recipes as well yeah in communities yeah you know I found since I've been growing my own food I actually eat a lot of I prefer to eat it raw yeah I, I just there's something about having that food mm. come straight from nature that I, I just want to eat it as it is yeah. in it's completely whole and mm. natural state yeah it is beautiful mm. doing that I love gardening and just picking as yes. I'm out there yes. and sometimes I think oh, I'm getting a little bit hungry I'll just yeah. pick things and eat and then I don't have to stop and go inside yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. just like eaten a lots of things while I'm out there, so that's kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm. I think just backtrack one bit, just on the watering side. Yeah, I mean, I guess that you've got to pay attention to the natural cycles and the weather. I mean, when we yeah. have obviously when we have a lot of rain here. Mm. Actually, I have a question on that. Can that be damaging? Like, I know sometimes we could have like a whole week of rain coming, yeah. and I know that's coming. Now, I've found that if I put my seedlings out there. Mm. They do quite well. Yeah. In that. Yeah. So I found that okay. I know there's rain coming. Put them out. Make sure to get them out before. Yeah. Rather than wait. Mm-hmm. So how do we know? Like when? How much to water? I mean, obviously, just, my point is you got to also pay attention to the natural watering. Yeah. It does. Again, it, it just like I said earlier. It depends on the soil. It depends on the plant. Plants like tomatoes and the zucchinis and pumpkins, so those two different families, they don't like having moisture on their leaves because they'll get mildew Mm. or other fungal diseases. So if you are watering, just water the soil Mm. with some of the plants rather than all over the foliage because they don't like having water on their leaves, so then you'll get fungal diseases. So it's kind of interesting to know and also does come back to growing plants in the right season. So if they're growing out of season, 
then they're more prone to fungal or viral okay. um, different diseases on them. So, yeah. And with watering, make sure that the soil is healthy, the layer of mulch, and you won't have to water as often. Gotcha. But if we do get a lot of rain, we can get disease pathogens in the soil, which then can cause plants to rot and you see other things happen. Mm. So when there's a change in environmental conditions, whether it's a lot of moisture, a lot of heat, or dry long dry periods you can see a lot of changes Mm -hmm. in the garden and things start to happen and a lot of the time say with viral diseases it is usually a change in environment so we go from being really dry and then we have a lot of rain you can see all sorts of problems in the garden that's exactly what happened last season didn't it the driest we've ever had yep and then we got a lot of rain Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. it was tough actually around that time in some of my gardens Mm. But it all came back. It does. The best thing to do is cut back the disease and get rid of it. You can put it in like a black plastic bag in the sun for a while before composting. Never put diseased leaves in the compost. And the plant will recover. Mm -hmm. But you do generally need to cut back the damage or the the sick parts of the plant. Yeah. A couple of little things let, you know, that lets air around, which helps to reduce the disease and things like that. I do have a question about people who, how can people who live in apartments or rented properties, Mm. I have had people say that, oh, I don't grow my own food because I rent or I'm in an apartment, but there is ways around that. Definitely, yeah. Containers, hanging Mm -hmm. baskets, those nice vertical walls that we see with lots of little pots on them, just get a little bit more creative and sort of Mm -hmm. think outside the square um, for growing in those locations. Mm -hmm. Hanging baskets are great to grow Mm -hmm. plants and different tubs of different sizes and mix them up and grow plants together yeah so if you've got a nice lemon tree in a pot put some herbs around it just mix things up group them together so they look quite nice in a group or in a little sunny corner for people in apartments you've really got to find the that sunny location because the plants will need the sun and maybe if they're not exposed to wind or something Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just kind of looking at the situation and working that out. The way I see it is even if you're growing just a few herbs that yep, you can just eat a couple frequently of things, yep. that, that are from your own and yeah. just having that. Having something that you can pick each day yeah. is a really yes. good way of doing it, yes. whether it's just a few herbs or a little fruit tree yeah. or some lettuce or something yep. you can just pick each day and add to your meal. That's yep. where herbs are a great garnish. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so with your monthly community, what sort of topics do you cover? In our membership community? Membership membership community, because you do things monthly. Yeah, we do things monthly inside the community. So that's the online gardening community. It's like a membership subscription. It's only $20 a month, which is Aussie dollars, which is quite cheap. It's good. So we have topics, lots of things we've talked about today. So we have months that it's all about health. So we look at the health side. We've done food. We've done dirt. I'm trying to think of what all the topics are. We have one every month, so there must be. Yeah, so so for a whole year, and I only started that at the beginning of this year, having a monthly topic. It's new. Yeah, it's only new for this year. So what I've done, because there's quite a lot of content in the community, Mm. and a few people said when they logged in and went in there, it's like there's so much information. How do they sift through it? Mm. So now what I'm doing with new members is offering a one-on-one phone session or a, a Zoom session, so I can say, you know, find out what they needs are and work through and then send them all the links of the information suitable for them 
So then I started the monthly topic so we can really look on at one thing that month and then all the content that's in there relating to that topic, I kind of put on one page. So I say, you know, this month's topic is food. Here's a podcast on food. Here's an article on food. Here's some little masterclasses that are food related for that month. So they can kind of follow that as well as digging into all the rest of the content that they want. So it just kind of gives us something to chat about, you know, that for that month. So Mm. And look, I, I know you've got so much information. <laughs> so much information. Yeah, well, 10 there. years of creating content. It's how long Sortus Up has been going. Wow. Yeah. Congrats. Mm. And you're pretty organized. Are you a Virgo by any chance? No, I'm a Capricorn. <laughs> I was just, I thought, <laughs> I'm a goat. I think you're quite well organized with everything. Yeah, I like to be. Yeah, mm. yeah, because it is important, isn't it? Because there are such specific areas to cover when yeah. it comes to growing food with success. Yeah. And I like your idea of the consult because everybody has their own specific, Yeah. like as I mentioned a few of my mm-hmm. own specific areas of mm. where the grey areas I wasn't sure about or yeah. it was concerned. Mm. And it is, it's a it's a personal journey. Yeah. It's a personal yeah. journey. And we do a little action plan just so our gardeners just have a little place to start what they can do and I've actually had a few of our members that have put me on FaceTime while they're in the garden so I can have them like looking around on the where they're walking around with their camera so I can see the areas and then I can go okay I've got a really clear picture of the space you have let's get started on a little plan for you so it's like with us this this morning, I know. when you we arrived, I couldn't help but take you around because every you looked at everything and then you even like, oh, you've, you've, you've got, got that. that, you've got that, you've got that, and these things, and how to harvest my own coffee, coffee. beans. Yeah. Now I've got a plan on how to harvest mm. an education on how to harvest my own coffee beans, which I just hadn't it's thought, fun. thought to do. It's good to do. I'll send you I'll, the link on I'll my have, website. Growing <laughs> coffee. I will have a look at that because mm. I just I just can't imagine having the taste of a cup of my own. Mm. Uh, it's beautiful and it it's like a process that it's almost sacred you know mm, it's like one mm. of those things you would do that you just think wow that this coffee I'm drinking came from that tree it's mm-hmm. like yeah mm-hmm. it's very it's kind of special I, I quite enjoyed it I mm. like that you brought the sacredness because it is mm. a sacred experience because we're really connecting with the earth yeah and we're we're part of that mm-hmm. cycle and recycle yeah. and that right from that the dirt the compost the dirt mm. and then to the food that we put in yeah. our mouth it's amazing yeah it's a beautiful process yeah it's something to be very grateful for mm. yeah that we can actually do that mm. and put that in and nourish our body that way and it is kind of sad that so many people today or the way we've kind of evolved mm. has taken us to buying food from a supermarket yeah. or growth and not knowing mm-hmm. i think things are changing now yeah in fact things are changing yeah now. they are yeah they definitely are so there are some positives mm. of course there's positives awakening yeah. to this current crisis mm. that the globe is facing mm. one of those is people are getting their hands in the dirt yeah yeah. And they're looking to learn how to do it. Mm. And more importantly, people are getting their children's hands in the dirt yeah. too. And yeah. children now... They're learning it. And it's great to see they're doing it at school and preschool. And yeah. yeah, it's wonderful to see. I think it's something that we all should know how to 
to grow something to eat. Yes. Definitely. That stories I've heard that story before. I didn't realise a pineapple came from there. I thought it came from a tin. I mean, that's extreme. <laughs> I've heard that before. I've a pineapple heard. top grows a new pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> that's how easy it is to grow pineapple. It doesn't Just grow cut in the, the top tin. off and stick it in the ground. It will grow you, another you, one. You know, you can get all those tin foods. And yeah. Tin, tin yeah. bean, tin pineapple, tin. Yeah. Tin. Ooh. Tin everything. So it's a beautiful mm. work. It's beautiful work that you're doing, really beautiful work you're doing. I'm so happy to have met you, that you live nearby. I know. And that I can actually spend some time with you Mm. and that we can share this amazing way of living. It's a way of life. It's a way of connecting. Yeah, it is. Definitely lifestyle. Yeah, and it's it's that return to nature. Yeah, yeah. That we are all coming Mm. back to. And it's a very important part of it. It's how we should be nourishing ourselves. I mean, there's a lot of ways we nourish ourselves, but I think to, I always felt like, especially when my boys were growing up, that I could go outside and grow food and I could harvest it and bring it in and cook it and sit there and feed it to my children. That was nourishing my children. To me, it just came all from my heart. And I still feel that now, even if it's for myself or for my partner or anyone else that, I'm feeding, it's just such, it just comes from the heart. So when you're growing it, there's so much love goes into that and then giving that food over, it's, yeah, it's just not about the food. It's <laughs> not energy. about the food. It's all about love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all comes back to love. Yeah. I have a love heart I on your know. neck and I, as you speak. I like love hearts. Yeah. I have hey. lots of them around me. <laughs> when I prepare food, as I make something, I, I often do make a note of, what is from this is from the garden yeah. or majority of this is from the garden yeah. and it is it's mm. that does add that special oh yeah flavor mm-hmm. literally and also yeah <laughs> just, in so many ways in so many ways mm. to the food and the nourishment and the yeah. nutrition and the benefit you get of growing it which we kind of haven't covered but yeah you mean oh the therapeutic side yeah. of gardening mm. can we touch on that a bit sure i mean i do <laughs> It's like because you're a therapeutic gardener. Yeah. So what is? Well, in the UK and America, they do call it horticultural therapy. Mm. In Australia, we call it therapeutic horticulture. So it means that we're the basic definition is that we use plants and gardening activities to improve people's health and well-being. So we're actually using gardening or plants or basically that's what the, the two kind of parts are to help people either improve their health if someone has had an injury or an illness. We use gardening activities to get them well again. So it can be like a form of rehabilitation. If someone, say, has had a stroke, you can do certain gardening activities to get their movement going again, their cognitive. So it looks at physical and emotional. It's a very holistic approach Mm. to healing. The work that I do is mainly based on the social and therapeutic side. So I do a lot of work with people in aged care. I work a lot with people with dementia. Dementia, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, and I do a lot of work also in the mental health sector. So people that are suffering from different forms of mental illness, Mm -hmm. I run programs, I do one-on-one sessions with them, and I also teach staff to do sort of what I do Mm. through my programs as well. So it's a form of enhancing health naturally. So we understand that people that we work with may be taking medication or doing other treatments and it's working in with that, but it's helping their health and well-being. So it's very holistic. 
So it's the actual gardening activity itself. So it could be beneficial in a physical way, you know, getting the body moving, improving cardiovascular system, um, strengthening their arms or their legs, you know, all those sorts of physical things. And then it's the mental health that it brings as well, reducing stress and anxiety, um, help re- uh, reducing depression, people dealing with grief. Yeah, it's wow. it's an incredible part of our industry, sort of the sector of the horticulture industry. I'm really glad I'm in it now. Yeah. It's meaningful gardening yeah. to me. Wow. It's like that? an outcome, positive outcome. It must be so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Wow. I love it. You get to see these people. Mm. Do they the changes. light up? Mm. I can imagine. The, the biggest changes I've seen is working with people with dementia. Yeah. So when I was going into aged care homes, I was actually running the gardening programs with the residents. And I would work with people that may be sitting in a chair asleep not very active, not very social, not communicating. And I would take them with me and we would go out to the garden and, you know, do a certain process that I would always do with everyone. And the change within five or ten minutes. And sometimes you would see them digging, pulling weeds, having a conversation. And I think for this this time that we're in, they don't have dementia. It's like they're in the moment. moment. (laughs) They're so in the moment. And most of them know how to garden and it's part of their memory that they can recall. Mm. So they can plant seedlings, sow seeds, they know how to prune, watering, identify plants, have conversations. It's, it's amazing. So this is where it's, it's really beneficial to a lot of people that we continue gardening with them. You need to write a book called The Healing Power of Plants, well, The Healing Power of Dirt. There's a few books written. I am in the middle of writing a book. Ah, yeah. yeah, it's been a time thing lately. Mm. And then I have my podcast, which I love to share a lot of these, and I'm planning on more of that, more interviews. But, yeah, the changes. And the people that I work with now through the mental health programs, big changes that they're, yeah. they're sharing with me. I get text messages and phone calls and things at nights and days later about the change in people from the sessions so Mm. yeah I find it very rewarding and it's like we're we're gardening with a purpose I mean we're growing food because I still do it organically I still do it all around growing food so I bring my other side of my work into the therapeutic side but yeah it just gives so much meaning to people and I give them homework to do when I when between because I see clients weekly, mm-hmm. and I give them homework to do. So whether it's watering the plants or harvesting something or getting back to me and letting me know how something is, it keeps them going. So it gives them a purpose. They can stay in that moment. They've got something to do. It gives them something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And for people with severe depression and anxiety and other mental illness. That's a difficulty is having something to look forward to. So we provide mm. that with a garden. Wow, what an mm. amazing it's pretty powerful amazing, powerful yeah. therapy. Literally mm. a therapy yeah. that is it is so natural. Mm. I can't think you get more natural than that. Yeah, that's it. You can't. You can't. That's really beautiful. Mm. Really beautiful. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> that, that, like, Very passionate about that. Yeah. I could talk about yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to listen to you for ages on mm. that one too. Um that is really and yeah. so you mentioned you had a stepdad who's 89 89 thriving in a garden still, yeah, still gardening. at 89 yep. there you go and he was an inspiration for you yeah he was saying. so there you As go a, you know 14 15 years old mm. 
So now for him, and you know, I encourage him, and I, you know, I have my views on things with him, and I encourage him to keep going. So he modifies things, and that's what we do with therapeutic gardening: is we modify the gardening activities. So our gardener, everyone's a gardener when they're in these programs, not clients or patients okay. anymore. Yeah. We modify the activity so they can complete it. So if someone only has the use of one hand, then we'll do the seed sowing together. We might hold something and they might do one part and together we finish it. So they've, like all gardeners, they've sown seeds, they've achieved something as a positive outcome. So yeah, it's adaptive activities, adaptive tools. I love that we're all a gardener, really. We're all gardeners. We're all gardeners. As if you think back to our ancestors, yeah. we lived off the land. Yeah. Mm. We are gardeners. Mm. Mm. was our natural yeah. way of living. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's all very important mm. and I can't get that out enough. Yeah. Yeah, I just learned from my own experience and just hearing you speak then about the therapeutic garden mm. and literally your face lit up <laughs> and your face was already lit up but when you were describing how their faces mm. light up. Mm. You can see that. I love it. Because it can be, I mean, dull and dreary. Otherwise, yep. life when mm-hmm. when people when people aren't well or mm. are in a place where yeah, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for spending your precious time listening to this podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed. You can find some helpful links related to the topics we have discussed, download some freebies and join our Lionheart community by visiting our website, lionheartworkshops.com. To view this specific podcast blog, click on podcast at the main menu. Please also share this with friends, hit subscribe and leave us a review so that these ideas can continue to spread. Those pretty little stars help others to find us. The Lionheart Podcast and Lionheart Online Workshops is an online platform and community designed to enhance your health, natural and spiritual well-being. Until next time, please think about how you will embody your Lionheart and reach your highest potential as the amazing human being that you are.